I was uh, I was really engaged in Monday Night Football last night. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thought the thought the crowd's energy was amazing. The disdain for Russell Wilson. He is he's a little extra, I think. <laughs> but was there I, any sort of a debate on fair or foul for Seattle to boo Russell Wilson? Was everybody kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's cool? So I saw a few people on Twitter.com, maybe you've heard of it, that were like losing their minds. This guy won you a Super Bowl, and how dare yeah. you? Yeah. But I guess, Josh, it had been a big debate in Seattle sports radio oh, and sure. in the papers over the last few months. But I, oh. He deserved to get booed. Seemed like everyone liked him uh, afterwards. You know, it's kind of like Baker with the Browns. People want to make everything about how terrible of a person Baker is whenever, I mean, Mark, Miles Garrett apparently didn't have a great relationship with Baker Mayfield. Okay, who cares? They, they moved on. Browns won the game. I will say, though, I came away pretty happy about all f- in those instances and in kind of revenge games. I felt good about both teams that lost. I think it took a while for Carolina to get things going. Once they did, look out. I think it took a while for – well, Denver actually started out pretty hot. But they, they probably should have scored at least 28 more points than they did. And, I mean, it's – there's a minute to go in the game. It's fourth and five. What – what was that all about from and Hackett? You save your timeouts until there's 20 seconds left, and instead of going for it, you try to kick a 60 or more yard field goal, which McManus could make. Right, which he he nearly did. <laughs> I mean, the first one was no good by a mile, but then the second one. I mean, it, was it also short too? I don't think it was short. No, I think it had the distance. Yeah, it just, it just hooked late. Yeah, hooked late. Weird. They ran 40 seconds off the clock on fourth and five. I, I guess the thought process was let's not gamble and not get a kick, right? Right. I guess so. Even though I think they should have went on fourth and five, this is why you spent all this money on Russell Wilson. Preach. To be able to pick up those types of downs and distances in with a minute left in the game at that point to drive right down the field. And, I mean, you pick up that first down – Plank, they're going to win the game. It's ball game. Right. They're, they're going to go win this football game. The, but, yeah. The Broncos won the game. Um, No, the Seahawks. This is interesting to me with the – and, we're by the way, we're waiting – we're waiting on captains to be announced. So, that should be coming up, I think, any minute. Any minute. But – while we're doing so, and, and before we hear from, from Jeff Levy, I'm intrigued by some of the NIL debates that have started with Texas A&M struggling. Like, for instance, the Air Comfort Solutions text line uh, 405-651-3439. Someone hit us up and said, are we being nice to A&M right now? Well, no, we're not. Are we being too nice to A&M right now? I Should mean, we be meaner? Yeah, I think so. This is for all the talk and all the the recruiting buzz, the fact that they can't get the quarterback position figured out, even bringing in, what, two separate transfers? You can't get the quarterback situation. You've got a five-star, rock star freshman, and you can't get the quarterback situation figured out? Yeah. Yeah, I I think we are being too nice to Texas A&M right now. But it's it's opened up a very interesting NIL debate, right? Um, I guess the open – there's a couple open record acts – 
that that came out and it was laying out how the significant amount of spending towards football and understandably so and how it dwarfs other sports but also oh this was something we and I don't I know that this is opening a Pandora's box so we'll move on rather quickly but I will say Josh this is this is very interesting when you start thinking of the way these deals are put together and it can't be performance based and things of that nature what 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 if you end up with a player that's not living up to it DJ Uyunglele and Dr Pepper Spencer Rattler and his relationship so well right you're just screwed as a business and then we don't see as many of these name image likeness deals which I think from day one was one of my hallmark takes to you was I think it'll be a lot up front and stars will continue to get paid. But then after that, I think we're going to see it kind of trickle away a little bit. I think you're right. I think you're right. But And shift its way more toward, okay, who has the big Instagram following? Here we go. Captains have just been announced. Look at us. Look at us. Um, It is – I don't even know who that guy is. Um, Anton Harrison. Whoa! Billy Bowman. Yeah, it was Anton's Twitter account. I was like, I-E underscore Ton. Anton Harrison, Billy Bowman, Drake Stoops, Michael Turk, and Danny Stutzman. Those are your captains for Saturday. And remember, what they say, once we get to conference season, we'll probably have regular captains, right? Kind of the way that it's it's perceived or late. Actually, later in the season, I think they had said, is when that would happen. But When you'll get your permanent captains? Right, and you'll get – did you hear what Brent Venable said about when you become a captain? Oh, I can't play this from last week's coaches show. But he said they'll get a like a crimson jacket, a fitted jacket that they'll That's wear. Cool. Whenever they do the the walk of champions, and it'll kind of become a thing, you know they'll they'll fly it's first like, class. Here's one of the captains, right? He's one of the captains. He's in a crimson jacket. So, and it has been in three weeks. It's been different guys every week. You've had fifteen different dudes now that have been captains in the running for the permanent captaincy. Stutzman, Billy Bowman, Anton Harrison, Drake Stoops, and Michael Turk. How about that? Cool, cool. All right, um, what do you say, Josh Helmer? We hear a little bit from Jeff Levy. Unless there is anything else you want to hit on non-sooner related here quickly? Good to go? I think we're good. Yeah, let's hear from Levy. All right, I I thought the best answer that Jeff Levy gave was in talking about balance. And this is (laughs) – those captains were announced last night on Twitter. Is it okay? Well, sorry, I didn't see it last night. You know what? Block that guy. How dare you? <laughs> um, I didn't see it last night, and I say just announced because it was new to me. I saw it uh, when Bob Prisbillo and Eric Bailey retweeted it into my timeline last night. I hadn't just seen announced it. in our hearts and in our minds. It's new to me. Um, <laughs> so far as you know, it is new. We <laughs> we just announced. I hadn't it. seen it. Uh, here we go. This is Jeff Lebby on balance and if he feels like he's striking the right balance. I think the biggest thing is I, I probably should have been a little more aggressive throwing the football, you know, and, and that was wanted to establish the run game was uh, a little stubborn about that probably early on. And, uh, 
that was something that we wanted to get going. And again, I, I probably should have thrown the football a few more times, but creating great balance and and running the football is going to be a huge thing for us and and who we are from an identity standpoint. But uh, really, it, it was it was on me not throwing the ball around a little more early on in the game to create some air in the defense. By the way, this press conference was yesterday too. Is it okay if I still play it? Is Absolutely that not. That's not breaking Army? news. <laughs> um, I love that admission, right? I mean, at ten eleven here on the ref with Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. You're listening to The Plank Show. I don't think very often you hear coordinators, coaches admit things needed to be done differently, right? It's usually, well, that's what we do, you know, and we're going to learn from it and get better. There's Jeff Levy saying, you know what? Maybe I got a little stubborn. I love that, Josh. And maybe they did. And there's nothing wrong with it. They were showing a light box. You wanted to prove you could run the football. Maybe some of the issues they've had on the offensive line are a little bit more to overcome, even in those instances, and they'll get better as the season goes on. But, yeah, I, I'm i not one of those that's going to get too out of my mind crazy about it because they won the game 33-3, to but I completely understand the frustration. I sat yesterday, yesterday during the show. I sat with somebody who would know, with film, and they pointed out what they felt were very – fundamental errors on assignment blocking that they saw. Hmm. In the first half. All game. Where they looked at it and like, look, look at this guy. No one's blocking him. He, That's either the left guard or the right guard's responsibility. You had certain times where – Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. So, Joe John did tell us during the coaches show, which you'll hear tomorrow on ESPN+, Plus, but Joe John did tell us that Kent State did some things they hadn't seen on tape, which you're going to get all season long. And he felt like they adjusted well as the game progressed. But, you know, there's also I'm, – I'm not an X and O guy, but I really, truly learned a lot yesterday. There's also this idea that there's certain times where a running back is responsible for making a guy miss. It's math, right? You got five guys, maybe a sixth if you have a tight end in there – trying to block, if they've got the box stacked, well, you need to count on your running back to make sure he can let a guy, he can elude a guy that might have either a, a free run or is going to be there in his way. And Lebby talked about that. Oh, yeah, okay, see? I just, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the position to where even last year, even last year in a season that the typical growth throughout the year didn't occur, at Oklahoma, I do feel like things got better on the offensive line. I still feel like that was a position as the season progressed that was trending up. Somebody disagree? I kind of felt like it was. Now, it was a little bit in shambles against Oklahoma State in the second half, but I felt like it continued to get better. Had a few backslides, continued to get better. Didn't do a good job against Baylor, but continued to do better. I'm banking on that this season. And part of it might be Wanya Morris. Now, late in the press conference, Jeff Lebby was asked about Wanya Morris, and I guess, I don't guess, during his coach's show on Sunday with Dino, Brent Venables had mentioned how he thought there's a really good chance that Wanya Morris could be back this week. Lebby was asked yesterday, hey, what can you expect? What can we expect from Wanya Morris? Yeah, he's another guy that brings experience. You know, he's, he's played in a bunch of games. Uh, he's incredibly athletic. He's a guy that has great understanding of the game and the scheme. So 
uh, looking forward to, to possibly having him back and ready to roll. There you go. Short, sweet, to the point. Um, Trent Williams ain't walking through that door. You know, it's, um, Orlando Jamal, Brown. Or Jamal Brown's not walking through that door. Ben Powers isn't walking through that door. Creed is great. I just think it's a very simple challenge. They all have to be better. And they'll get better, right? Well, and maybe they got to try some different options. I mean, it just it is what it is. If Savion Bird needs more snaps, get him more snaps. If Jake Taylor needs some more snaps, get him more snaps. Don't be afraid to play a freshman if they're better than the other guys you're trotting out there. I wonder if some of that confidence might starts might start to build um, with, with some of those younger guys. I think some of that might start to grow just a bit, right? But we'll see. I'll tell you one thing. The two Jakes look awesome. <laughs> and I don't know if what they're doing is fundamentally sound. We didn't get far enough in my one-on-one tape breakdown yesterday to, to figure out what we thought of Jake Taylor. But in everything that I've seen from him on the field, he looks freaking incredible. And I don't know why the other Jake's name is escaping my mind right Sexton. now. Sexton. Thank you. From Deer Creek. But they both look really good. You got? To, you want a break? Oh, gosh, it's already 10-16. Let's break and get a little bit more of, of Jeff Lovey. Plus, there's some good stuff on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, as there always is. And uh, your calls, 405-329-9000. This is the time to get in, 405-329-9000. We're very heavy on Nebraska tomorrow on the show, Josh, because at 9-35 – Tomorrow morning, one Jessica Cootie makes wow. her triumphant return to the show. Um, and and then I all I think we're actually doubling up poor booking on my part on Nebraska people tomorrow because at ten thirty five tomorrow, Nick Sinhert will join us from ninety three seven the ticket. So you get that true insider who's ingrained in the program and just that does the coaches' shows and is on the sideline for the broadcast. Then we bring us in a little hot take warrior later, yes. right? Yep, get the, get the radio. Find out what's in there. going on. So we'll be good. It, it, a lot of Nebraska on tomorrow's show. More Jeff Levy and you next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. I'm not going to lie to you, Josh. The decision to hand over Tuesday's presser to um, one Drake, Drake Dyken. Dyken has been so reassuring to me. Well, and I think, look, if he's going to be in the Ref Royal Rumble, then he should probably have to. Well, maybe he should work be on the press the air. conference. Yeah, that's I, I like it. That's my exchange. I give you my blessing. By the way, I was like totally joking about not letting him in in the, the group text, <laughs> and then even kind of doubling down, and I was like, oh, but it was fun. Listen, I mean, I just – are you expanding for the sake of expanding, right? Yeah, what – Did we go American Athletic Conference? Are we zero? each getting greater shares? You right, have to exactly. ask that. Yeah. <laughs> like, why doesn't Connor now come in and ask? I want to know how it happened. Well, I think he's I, – I mean, now I think he probably will. Did Drake go to Toby and say, hey, I Had should be have. in the Ref Royal Had Rumble? To. Is that how this happened? Kudos to Drake, man. I and he and by the way, he strong armed Toby, and then Toby strong armed us. He kind of went Greg Sankey with Texas and OU, right? OU and Texas, excuse me, because Drake was already in the group text before we'd even voted. 
That's right. Yeah, that could have influenced some votes. Which we is kind of funny because that. whenever I said no, and I was like, if in on the group text, I said, if Drake's in, I'm out. Uh, Josh actually texted me. He was like, you know that Drake's in that group text, right? I'm like, yeah, dude, I do. I'm, I thought everyone would catch on that it was a joke, but some didn't. But then my concerns. So I wonder. Myself being one of them. Right, exactly. I wonder, Josh, do we need to start looking for maybe a, a different pick contest next year? Maybe the Ref Royal Rumble is just, maybe it's become too big. Yeah, well, I think probably I should. Win a few weeks. <laughs> right, just look for a different picks contest in general. Uh, you know, because. You know, you start strong-arming people, and next thing you know, Nebraska starts looking other places, Texas mm. A&M, Colorado. I mean, though it is a, it's a fun bit. I, I'd hate to have to miss it. But we have principles around here, right? We we can, Some, we can yeah, choose what we want. One or two. You really need to win a few for me, though. That would be nice. We I know, yeah. I, I, you know what's kind of wild is I, I picked both my lock and my, my upset last week. But I came within a two-point conversion in week one of hitting the most unlikely of unlikely upset picks ever in Bryant over Florida International. I feel like I should get a half a point for that. But Ref Royal Rumble, we need to get a, a web page for this too. Yeah, right? I also lost my upset special in overtime. In overtime. So. Oh, in overtime. If we're giving out half points, I'll take one for that as well. Uh, let's get a – wait, is it the bottom of the hour yet? No, no, no. It's Air Comfort Solutions text at the bottom of the hour – because I failed to catch the release of the captains last night, I saw it for the first time last segment, and I'm getting destroyed right now on the Air Comfort Solutions text <laughs> line. And I was, what's funny about it is I was all over Twitter last night, and this, I guess, dropped 17 hours ago, so I have no idea how I missed it. No clue whatsoever. Maybe I'm playing on Instagram Reels too much or writing my story on Marvin Mims. Anyway, speaking of uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma's offense and Oklahoma's receivers, you know, so far, one guy that we all counted upon making a big impact hasn't really been a go-to guy, and that would be Jalil Farouk. I've been thinking, Josh, about putting Jalil Farouk in my spotlight this week because this seems like the kind of game where all of a sudden, you know, a guy pops up like, oh, there's Jalil Farouk, there's Jaden Gibson, there's whomever, but Listen to what Jeff Lebby said about Jalil Farouk and kind of the lack of a role that he's played so far. Well, I think the biggest thing is the ball just hadn't found him, and that's that's part of uh, that's part of playing this game. I'm proud of him for just being incredibly steady and playing as hard as he's played. And that's a conversation we had yesterday, man. Just keep doing exactly what you're doing. The ball's going to find you. Good things are going to happen. He's been an unbelievable teammate. He's worked really hard. He's dialed into the detail right now. So there's going to be uh, there's going to be a moment in time where, man, he's going to have a breakout day, and it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody. What do you think, Josh? We think about Jalil Farouk being my spotlight player this week. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it anymore. Okay, now you've changed my mind completely. He did say though, he did say, "Hey, they're waiting for him to have that breakout." Now, yeah, I mean, obviously, he mm -hmm. and Oklahoma's offensive staff feel like. Ticking, positive ticking time bomb. Sure, sure. Matter of time. Um, second half was a much more enjoyable half for most OU fans. I think it would be fair to say. Final Correct. drive of the first, all of the third. Um, I love. I think James asked this question about, hey, what, what clicked? What kind of really got going in that second half, or in that halftime locker room, or going into the halftime locker room? 
that changed things. I think the biggest thing. Well, hold on, let me start this from the beginning. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was, uh, and talked about this after the game, but our guys playing the next play, you know, staying incredibly calm, staying together, playing the next play, being able to put that drive together, felt really good about the plan from a two-minute standpoint and what, you know, what we had in, and Dylan and, and Marv being able to go execute, uh, you know, there those last three plays to be able to get us in the end zone. And then, obviously, the way we started the second half was, Exactly what we wanted, you know, and, and what we had planned on, but didn't didn't happen the way we wanted early on. But uh, you know, you punt the football four straight times, and you have five straight scoring drives with four touchdowns. So it it really is a a, a tell of two halves. Um, but just proud of our guys, man, for continuing to play, stay together, and then being explosive when we needed to. Hey, a uh, couple more here from Jeff Levy. Uh, we we heard the the adjustment question last hour right and, and and the speed to adjust and how it was slow um I thought I thought it was really cool to hear him talk about that 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 balance and that evolution of balance and kind of wh- what's the key to that evolution the thing that saw Sunday morning watching the tape was we played incredibly hard up front we strained we strike we we finished. We did a really good job, and the stats, the stats don't tell that story. But after watching the tape, man, proud of how much improvement we made in just finishing and how hard we played up front. So, was proud of the group. Um, didn't run the football like we wanted to in the first half. Credit to man to Kent State. They did an unbelievable job. They really they they changed how they fit things, and I didn't do a great job adjusting early enough, and then got to some things in the in the second half that, that helped us, and we won our one-on-one situations in the second half. So, um, like where we're at, we've got to continue to get better as we uh, as we go on the road this week. You don't get too much different from Sunday to Mon- or Saturday to Monday, but I like this presser being on Monday because everything is still so fresh. And, Josh, you go from after the game on Saturday to having had a film study. Thank you. Exactly. You have that film study and you're ready to go. Yeah, and th- th- then they've either reinforced some thoughts or new new takeaways from the game have kind of come to light, and obviously that's pretty illuminating right there from Jeff Levy that really he thought the offensive line played pretty well. Yeah. Or at least made improvements from week one to week two, which I don't think a lot of Oklahoma fans would have felt that way when you hear – 13 rushes, seven rushing yards in one half. I mean, that alone is going to disturb some people. But according to Levy, it was better in that department. You know, we're getting very close to a wipe in Wednesday, all right, where you basically wipe everything. No. Middle of the show on Wednesday, we're done. Yeah, that's over. Our, we're over. But it doesn't mean we can't start looking ahead now. And I thought Garen Emick asked a really good question. And this was a good question. If it's the question I'm thinking the of. The chaos. Hey, Nebraska's had issues. They've been. Are you, well, that was good, too. Okay. Do you have a second one in there? Yes. Oh, gosh. Garen, my bad. I think. The fact that you're going to Lincoln and you're taking on a Nebraska team that just fired its coach and hasn't been very good, knowing how different this could be, right? Knowing that they've been in so many one-loss games and how it could be a much different game. Is that a motivational thing? Is that something you talk about with your players? You know, I, I think for us, it's us understanding that we're going to Lincoln and we're going to get their best. Regardless of what has gone on, what will go on Saturday at 11 a.m. is those guys 
playing their best football. And that's our expectation. You know, that's going to be the reality of it, regardless of, of what has happened. I truly believe, man, what's going to happen is those guys are going to play their butt off on Saturday, and we will too. But that's that's what we're expecting. There you go. Constant theme this week, Josh Helmer. Constant theme this week. Oklahoma will get everyone's best shot. Doesn't matter who they are. UTEP, Kent State, Nebraska, Kansas State, Kansas. I could go down the whole schedule. You're going to get their best shot. Sure you are. You're Oklahoma. In a league that looks like it's improved, too, over last year. You know, the question that I asked on the podcast side was, okay, you're getting Nebraska's best shot. Is Nebraska's best shot, are they good enough for that to matter in this game? I know that we kind of played this song and dance a year ago and then got hoodwinked going into it, and guess what? Absolutely, it was a football game. Nebraska could have won here yeah, in Norman last maybe. season. So, are are we falling into the trap again because of a loss to Northwestern, because of a loss to Georgia Southern, because of a firing of Scott Frost that this is just going to be a roll them over, roll it up to Lincoln and go win the thing? Or is there some competition here? Is Nebraska good enough? Are they are they good enough to make this emotional week to to galvanize themselves? Because we hear a little bit about that, right? That well, we see football teams that lose their head coach and they you know channel it into something positive. Is Nebraska good enough to do that? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Do you know what? We've got two Nebraska insiders on tomorrow. That's a great question to ask both Nick and Jessica. I think it is. I think it would be enough to be. I think they're a talented football team. But in that same vein, I I think Oklahoma's really good. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I understand we're nitpicking here, right? I mean, we're nitpicking. But nothing has been in doubt the first two weeks of the season. And that wasn't the case through two weeks last year, right? I just – I love the vibe of this team. And you could probably easily say, Plank, I've listened to you since you took over on the sidelines, and every team has this great vibe. I've told the story many times about the first time the OU Club of Tulsa invited me to go speak on the Beat Texas Bash on Tuesday, which I, th- I think I'm doing again this year. I'm pretty sure I did. Don Stout's always well ahead of the game. He and Paige Cole are awesome. But I tell you, I, I'll never forget – in 11, going up there before my first year. Well, go, I lived there. Uh, my first year, and I went in, and I was like, this team, man, this team's going to be something else. Um, they've got it going on, you know, going on the road and, and beating Florida State was, was something else. This is a, it's a really good football team, and I think they're going to be something special for years and years to come. I mean, think, think about 11, just real quick, not, not to get off on the, a sidetrack here. But they had pretty much dominated through the first six weeks of the season. And they went and they beat Texas soundly, 56-17. to And I felt like the smartest man in the room. Well, we know what happened in 2011. Uh, things didn't necessarily go the Sooners' way after losing at home to Texas Tech. Uh, they ended up losing three of their final six games. And that next year... I went to talk to the OU Club of Tulsa, 
And this lady was sitting in the front row. She goes, you going to tell us how great they are again? How they're just going to go three and three down the stretch? And I'm like, ah, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, yes, I will be doing that. Um, and, and 12 was a, a pretty good team too, right? A little bit of a different start because they had the loss to Kansas State. But my, my point is, I, I understand. I've, I've seen a lot of OU teams, and obviously I've had a – I've had a – special place in my heart for just about all of them but there's just with this being Brent Venable's first season with seeing some guys that you know we've been waiting on for a couple of seasons to start making impacts to see the 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 confidence of of this offense and to talk to and and hear just that confidence in Jeff Lebby and in Ted Roof and the fact that none of it is good enough yet I feel really good about where this team is so long way to get to the answer when you say should Nebraska's best be enough to beat Oklahoma? I say yes. But I also think Oklahoma hasn't come close to playing its best yet. And when they do, look out. Yeah. Nebraska's best, I think, could right. there you go. be enough to beat Oklahoma if there's some some bad Oklahoma mixed in. All right. Um, they're, wow. not beating, they're not beating Oklahoma at, at its best. If, if the Sooners turn it over three or more times, we're going to have a long flight home. But thankfully, through two games, that hasn't really been an issue that we're worried about. It's like we should have seen things last year when, what, the second pass of the season was an interception. I wouldn't allow myself to see that at the time. All right, quick break. When we come back, the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep them coming. 405-651-3439. It's the Plank Show right here on the Home Sooner Fans. Paris Hilton. It's a bop, baby. Ah. Uh, I have Spanger. I'm all about it. Welcome back into the Plank Show this right was her here wedding on the Rev. Song. Was it really? A little narcissistic, but I kind of like it. When did she get married? By the way, I think one of my favorite things on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, and I don't know how often TJ goes in and deletes out uh, texts or not, but it's really cool when you see someone that maybe hasn't texted in ever or, yeah. or hasn't since June 1, <laughs> like this from the 405, and they come with good stuff. Four zero five six five one three four three nine. So, the bottom of the hour, we we hit all the air comfort solutions text. Here's a good one. Okay, could it possibly be that A and M is struggling because they lost the best offensive line coach they had to USC and Muleshoe in the person of Josh Henson? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Josh Henson's a really good coach, but Jimbo Fisher, it's not like this is his first year coaching. You know, he's got a vast and incredible. Rolodex of people, and they pay a lot of money when it comes to their assistance. I mean, he—that's not a place where you go to, and it's like, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to make ends meet? What are we going to do? But it's a great question. A and M has a Haynes King problem. Do you know who A and M's offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, is off the top of your head? No, I, I did. I had to look. Who is it? Steve Adazio. The former head coach at Colorado State. Yeah. He was head coach at Boston College for a while. Interesting. Uh, I mean, well, that's a, somebody that's established. Well, I, exactly. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> – I mean, it's Steve Adazio, a dude who, I mean, it's, it's fair to say, was considered one of the best O-line coaches in college football whenever he was at Florida. In fact, he had elevated himself to the associate head coach and offensive coordinator. 
during his final season at Florida. Temple, Boston College, Colorado State recently as a head coach. Didn't go so well as a head coach. But, yeah, it's a pretty good replacement for Josh Henson. Here's a couple of others did you know from the Texas A&M coaching staff. Did you know who Texas A&M's defensive coordinator is? I didn't know this either. Um, First season. DJ Durkin, the Maryland coach at one time who was involved in a very controversial conditioning regimen that led to a player passing away. Mm. And he still got a job. And then the – I guess I didn't realize how many – how much new there was in the Texas A&M coaching staff. But the other one that kind of caught my eye was the fact that Daryl Dickey is their offensive coordinator. And he's been there for – I was like, Daryl Dickey, oh, my gosh. It's a guy that's been everywhere. Memphis, North Texas, spent some time in the Big 12. He's kind of like Ted Roof. He's kind of like Ted Roof. But, yeah, I – I hear what you're saying. Sure, that's a that's a tough one whenever you're talking about losing a coach like that. But yeah, uh, Rick and Fort Smith writes: If you haven't seen this week's SEC shorts, you need to drop what you're doing and watch it right now. I can't leave the radio show though, Rick. But I appreciate it. Um, in my opinion, two things from the nine one eight: Nebraska would benefit to search for that twelfth playoff spot not desire for championship level and find a coach who can bring a whole bunch of transfers with him a la Lincoln Riley it's interesting not the worst strategy not the worst strategy at all and I still I know this is not a popular take I still don't know how good USC is I mean Stanford turned the ball over like four times in the red zone and I get it that takeaways is the big push for that staff. Maybe it's three times. But, I mean, Stanford had a chance to be in that game, and they kind of blew it. They got Fresno State this weekend, but I don't know. Fresno State's not as good as they were last year. But they nearly beat Oregon State last week. Um, OU, this from the 405. OU really needs to treat this game as a championship game. My take, they need to establish the high-flying pass first – let the run happen as the game evolves. Did uh, can, can we play it again? I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting to hear Jeff Lebby talk about that here quickly. If you missed it last segment when he was talking about the frustration and the evolution of the run game in the second half, I think the biggest thing is I, I probably should have been a little more aggressive throwing the football. You know, and and that was wanted to establish the run game was uh, a little stubborn about that probably early on and. Uh, that was something that we wanted to get going. And, again, I, I probably should have thrown the football a few more times, but creating great balance and and running the football is going to be a huge thing for us and, and who we are from an identity standpoint. But, uh, really, it, it was it was on me not throwing the ball around a little more early on in the game to create some air in the defense. There you go. He took responsibility for it. Uh, two other quick ones here before we break. This is really good, man. There's a lot. If OU is as good or better than last year's 11-2 and two team, they should handle Nebraska without much trouble. 17 win, 17-point margin is what I think he's saying. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, you're talking about a team that lost to both Northwestern and Georgia Southern. So, 
look, this team stinks. You need to make it look like they stink. By the way, look at that spread on the Georgia Southern game, too, this weekend. Think about that as an upset pick, too. <laughs> Where are they at? Uh, they're on the road. It's someone that hasn't really been overly impressive, but they're like a 14-point dog. So, um, Any game as Lincoln is going to be tough in the 918. Uh, here's, here's a good one. This is from the 918. If Jimbo loses to Miami this week, he will probably call and beg for the Nebraska job. The fan base at A&M will finally realize he's all talk and no results. Pitchforks will be out. No, 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 no. Jimbo's not going to Nebraska. Jimbo's not going to UCLA. Jimbo's not going to Texas. Jimbo's going to West Virginia because he's he's made all his money. Um, if things go poorly and they continue to go poorly for my preseason pick for Big 12 Coach of the Year when I couldn't pick Brent Venables, Neil Brown, uh, that's where Jimbo's going to end up. It's, I mean, that's just – that's real. That's where he's from. He's already talked about it, for goodness sakes. Uh, but not as focused as that. Terry and Edmund asks a really good question. I keep saying we're going to get to break, but you guys are so good. Uh, what does it say when Dylan is not a captain? I understand the concept of what's going on with different captains weekly right now, but we'll be shocked if QB1 is not a captain when permanent captains are selected. Thoughts? I don't think it means much. Yeah, I don't either, Terry, because he wasn't he week one? Wasn't he yes. one of the first ones? Um, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. And to answer your other question, absolutely he will be one of the permanent captains on this team. I, I, yeah, let's take a break. When we come back, Toby, we had talked about this. I wanted to get into it in the crossover today because they had someone asking to compare and contrast stats from the last couple of seasons. Are this the early part of the season, the last couple of games between the three Oklahoma quarterbacks, two from last year and one from this year. But in his sideline demeanor – Terry, it screams leader. And I'll explain more next right here on The Ref. All right, final segment, hour two. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Uh, it looks like looks like BFC has taken to the – it looks like BFC – oh, no, 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 that's Kendall. Okay. I thought Bob from Smith was trying to lull me into something. I He – Kendall like tries to he tries to if, trick us. Yeah, he almost got me. <laughs> if if we don't read his text messages, he will say he's someone else. <laughs> we have his name to stored. get us to read. We well, have your number saved. I th- I, he almost got me in trouble there with that one because I was going to read it. Um, so I wanted to talk about this real quick before we break. Breaked, broke, whatever. Took a break, and then uh, top five stories today at the top of next hour, including Jerry Jones with an update on Dak Prescott. I. I've been so intrigued with the calm, cool nature of Dylan Gabriel, right? He is – there is not much that bothers him at all. He comes off that sideline, and you know, if you've listened to any of the, the post game that we've done with him or the interviews that we play here, that kind of calm, cool, collective demeanor, it's there. And he – there's not a play. The one thing that's been consistent with all of the guys that I've been blessed to cover now, all six starting quarterbacks, uh, well, there's more. There's Trevor and there's Blake and there's others that I can go back. But in, in recent memory since 2019, or excuse me, 2015, is they always come back with a specific message, right? And that's one thing that Dylan Gabriel, it, it'll come back and he'll look for a guy. 
and it might be Jalil Farouk, and it might be, you know, gosh, I don't think he's been on the field with Jaden Gibson yet, but for some, it might, might be Marvin Mims, it might be Drake Stoops, and immediately, Josh, it's a walk over there, or it might be his offensive line, and it's kind of a hand motion, a, a direction, or and then he hears from the receiver, it's like, all right, let's go, and then he hits the phone, and he's on there with Jeff Levy for a little bit. Uh, Tanner Schaefer is there with all the quarterbacks around him. <laughs> you know, all of them are there. And it's just, it's very... It's very cerebral, very cerebral in things that I see from, from Dylan Gabriel. Um, doesn't seem like much shakes him. We'll see how he handles the largest environment he's ever had, he would have ever played in front of on Saturday, uh, Saturday morning in Lincoln. But it's just, it's a guy that, that doesn't really let too much get to him. And I think that's a good demeanor for a quarterback. Unflappable, great leader. Obviously, heck of a football player can really sling it, good accuracy. So, all of the characteristics that you're looking for yeah. in a starting quarterback, Absolutely. he's been great so far. It's for been ODU. fun to see. So, to the question, and I know it's kind of a long way to get there. I, I when all is said and done, and it's time to hand out the crimson jackets and have full time captains, uh, I'd be willing to bet quite a bit that however many they're going to have, if it's three, it looks like it might be five. Yeah, I would bet my whole bank account on it, okay? <laughs> he will absolutely be one of the permanent captains. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel is going to be a captain. And guys earn it. And so far, they've gone with 15 different dudes, which is kind of wild when you think about it. You know what else made me kind of fired up? I'm not going to lie. Seeing Anton Harrison as a captain, that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. He's proven himself, and it's taken a while. He's got all the talent in the world. All right, top five stories today, brought to you by Newcastle Casino next.